Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 861. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at Rabbi Ismach at take10fortorah.org. Enjoy this part 3 of our repeated series of How to Clean for Pesach. Well, yesterday we discussed the difference between owning chametz and eating chametz. And the difference, of course, is that when it comes to owning chametz, even though they're both forbidden, owning and eating and deriving benefit, etc., as we've discussed many times, when it comes to owning chametz, there's a minimum amount, and that is a kazayat. You can't own a kazayat. So when we're searching for chametz in our homes, because we want to make sure we don't own any, or we don't have any over Pesach, we want to make sure that we get rid of a kazayat of chametz. And as we said, that's not likely that you're going to have a kazayat of chametz in most places in your home. You might have a packaged piece of uh, packaged pretzels or a packaged cookie, something like that. But in most places, you're not going to have chametz. We generally don't put chametz in our, you know, pants pockets. But if we would, directly, like, you know, a cookie, an actual cookie in your pants pocket, if you do that kind of thing, then, you know, washing the clothing is good enough. Because, like we said, you know, if the chametz gets broken down, and the chametz gets filled with detergent and gross and disgusting, then it's not dog edible. If it's not dog edible, then it's nifsal me'achilas kalav, as it's known, and it's not considered a chametz problem. By the way, that, that's an important thing altogether. Whenever you have a situation where there's some chametz that you can't reach, or there's chametz that you're, you're concerned that there's chametz someplace, there's a, I don't know, under your stove, um, let's, uh, let's use under your stove as an example, or under your, your oven. So the truth is, you do not have to move these big things in order to look for chametz because of a different rule. The rule is you only have to look for chametz where you might have brought chametz, where you have, might you have brought chametz, a place where you may traverse, uh, a place where chametz may have rolled or dropped is not someplace where you need to go and look. So you don't have to move your fridge. You don't have to move your oven because it's very unlikely that over the course of Pesach, you're going to be like, hey, I'm really hungry for my cookie. Let me check under the fridge and see if there's something there. Or let me check under the oven and see if something something's there. You don't have to go and move these big things because you don't come across, you never move them. If it's something that you do open and close regularly, then you got to check there. But let's say you have some place where it's a little bit difficult to reach or you know it's there and it's right in front of you and you want to somehow make it that it's not a chametz problem. Uh, one of the things that you can do is like sort of spritz it with something that makes it no longer uh, you could spritz it with Windex or something like that which uh, in any situation if you uh, spritz with something which is uh, poisonous obviously uh, unedible that renders the entire thing unedible and uh, that saves from a lot of chametz problems you wash your floor you automatically don't have to worry about anything within the cracks because A there's much too small to worry about and B not that they're covered, covered with that soapy gunk that's or maybe that's gunk, soapy gunk, that is automatically no longer going to be a problem of chametz. But now we walk into category two. When we're not talking about owning and we're talking about eating, then the rules are actually very different because there's a rule of chametz aser b'mashahu. When it comes to chametz, it is forbidden even in the slightest amount. Let me explain what this means. Usually there's a rule where if I have something which is forbidden and it falls into a mixture, this is almost always the case, where it falls into a mixture where it's, it's significantly outweighed ratio-wise. So for example, I'm making my chalant for Shabbos and it's a fleshic chalant and I accidentally drop a drop of milk in the chalant and it's now mixed in. I don't know where the drop is. It's gone. It's there. So now we know that because the chalant itself is 60 times that drop of milk, or as long as it's 60 times ratio, 
outweighing the forbidden thing that went in, it's kosher, you're allowed to eat it. You're not allowed to do that primarily. L'chatchila, you're not allowed to go and pour some milk in to taste. You can't do that. That's exactly what you're not allowed to do. But if it accidentally falls in and it's a ratio of 60 to 1, it's okay. It's not a problem. It outweighs your problematic material. Now, on chametz, on Pesach, that is just not true. Right? On chametz, chametz aser b'mashahu, and therefore, we do not allow the slightest amount of chametz to fall into any amount of food. The notion of bittel, or nullification, in a 60 to 1 ratio, does not apply. Now, if it happened before Pesach, uh, then there's a question between Ashkenazim and Sephardim. So like if, the, if theoretically this mistake was made and accidentally you used something you shouldn't have used, there's a possibility that maybe teeny-weeny pieces of crumbs uh, may have fallen into a large mixture. You weren't so careful in your cleaning for Pesach before you were cooking before Yantif. So many times Sephardim are lenient. Technically, um, in a situation sometimes, you know, you can't get a hold of chametz, uh, kosher Pesach dishes. Uh, a Svardi and an Ashkenazi should probably each respectively uh, talk to their local Orthodox rabbi. That would be a similar situation where you might be able, at least a Svardi might be able to rely on this fact um, in certain situations Bidievit uh, if they uh, had no choice, but probably should have left that out. But okay, uh, let, let's try to make sure everything is uh, on the up and up. But because of this issue, because of the fact that the slightest amount, molecules of chametz, are going to be um, significant when it comes to eating. So when it comes to owning, all we care about is the kazayas. So in my bedroom, I'm not worried about eating chametz, I'm worried about owning chametz. So there, I'm just looking for a kazayas, which means I don't have to look at my ceiling fans or my window shades or any other silly thing, because I'm not going to accidentally eat off that, even if it would be that there's a kazayas there. But when it comes to eating, that's very different. So now, anything that might come into contact with food... Now I got to be a little bit, a little bit more obsessive. I got to make sure there's no even slight amount of actionable, usable, minute amounts of chametz that might be eaten. There I have a much higher standard. So let me give you an example. You have a book. Now in the book. It's unlikely that you have a kazayas of chametz, unless you have one of those books where you store things, in which case, why would you store chametz in there? But okay, let's say you have a book. And in that book, there is a very significant breadcrumb. One Friday night, you were eating uh, cookies, Teladora cookies, chocolate Swiss fudge cookies, delicious stuff, uh, something. And then crumbs went into your book. Now, no one likes that, but it happens. And so now there are crumbs in your book. So that book is closed, and now it's on your shelf. Do you have to go through all of your books? in order to make sure that there's no chametz inside. So the odds are you do not have a kazayas worth of chametz in a book. And odds are, you know, you don't have enough books to add all together to a kazayas, an actual olive size of chametz. So you don't have to clean all your books. Unless, unless you're going to be bringing, it's not, some people think you should, but again, you don't have to have to. And therefore, what you need to be concerned about, though, is let's say you bring that book to the table. If there's a possibility you might bring that book to the table on Pesach, then that book needs to be checked. Because those two Stelladora crumbs, pieces of deliciousness, those might fall into your food, in which case all of your stuff is seriously problematic. So now there are some people who do not bring books to the table all year long. They do not eat around their books so that they do not have to worry about bringing books to the table on Pesach. And then, so they do not have to worry about books and cleaning for comments. But n- notice the difference. The difference is if it is involved with eating, then I have a much greater concern. If things are going to be brought to the table, if I have crumbs sitting around in my laptop keyboard, 
right? So what I want to do is I don't want to eat near that because like sometimes things come off on your fingers, they come around, they hop around when you press the keys. Another solution might be clean it and try to get those crumbs out because it kind of is gross when you have crumbs in your keyboard. Uh, instead of cleaning it, if you can't get it out, you might want to spritz it. If you spritz it and you kill it, like we said earlier today, if you have the ability to Windex it out of existence, no dog's going to eat that stuff, then that's another way to solve it. So in any situation where something might come to the table, you're going to have to do a much greater job of making sure that it's kosher to Pesach. So think of the kitchen area and the dining room area as very different than everywhere else in the house. You know, a high chair, toys that might come to the table, the tables and chairs themselves, um, even like handles on, you know, you might want to wipe down things. And again, wiping down is usually enough because when you wipe it down with a with a um, cleaning agent, you're really killing the chametz. You're making it no longer food. And as we mentioned, clothing. Clothing, you might want to check for big things, but even if clothing has small amounts of chametz in them, little crumbs, if you're at the table and they're coming out, then you might create some dishes, um, some dishes, some issues. Now, tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the dishes themselves, the things that touch chametz, and basics of kashering. I'm going to go through the OU guide, we're going to go through some basics of kashering, and we're going to talk about what you need to do there. The floor also, you have things on the floor. Floor uh, might uh, pick up some things, which if you drop a piece of uh, kosher Pesach food on the floor and you have chametz on the floor, the floor has to be obviously very well cleaned. Some of the things which are impossible to work with are things like recipe boxes, bread boxes, benchers that you might use all year long. Those things are like, you know, really caked on chametz. You don't want to bring that stuff to the table because inevitably, or, or, or cook with the same recipe books, cookbooks or the same recipe boxes. You want that to be different and separate for Pesach because inevitably those are going to be involving chametz and you're going to have a very hard time avoiding that. So all we have left is to talk about in regard to cleaning the actual utensils that are going to touch chametz itself. Obviously those we're going to deal with the most stringently. Again, owning it, one set of rules. You're looking for a kazayas. Eating it is another set of rules where even the smallest amount can cause problems. So owning it and eating it has two very separate processes when it comes to cleaning. See you tomorrow.